Welcome to Thinking with Dr. Barry Whitney. This podcast series is compiled from Dr. Whitney's university class entitled Justifying Beliefs. The thesis of this class is that we all hold beliefs, and no matter what they are or how deeply we adhere to them, we owe it to ourselves to apply rational testing of our beliefs in order to aim to justify them. This class takes us along that journey, perhaps for the first time or more deeply. For further insights and materials mentioned in this series, please refer to the resource page on Facebook entitled Thinking with Dr. Barry Whitney. Some existentialists become downright anti-intellectual, anti-rational, and they say that your reason and your evidence is meaningless, it's absurd, it's a waste of time, and what they do is they separate this heart knowledge, this this feeling of God, this experience of God that they, they have with the rational, the theology, the doctrines, the dogma, the, like the, which explains what you feel. They just throw it all out. This, unfortunately, is the dominant kind of theology in this culture for Christians. Um, existentialism, liberal theology. They don't worry too much about doctrines and evidences and whatever in general. There may, your church may be different and some other churches may be different, but in general, liberal theology dominates because it's existentialist. So they're not going to be giving sermons or talks in their church about proving God's existence. They already assume it. Of course it's true. I feel it. And they're not going to be giving you evidences that Jesus actually rose from the dead because they already feel that's true. They know it's true because they feel it inside. Evidence. They don't look at the evidence. They don't care about reason. They're anti-intellectual, anti, uh, anti-theology, quite frankly. It's, if, if you've ever wondered about the churches that are growing, they're not all the same, you know. Christianity is two plus billion people, as you know, and they're not all the same. The churches that are growing, they were based on experiential affirmation of belief rather than being pounded with doctrine and exposition and logic, and reason, and rationality. I think all of that stuff is necessary. We need the experience, and we also need the theology just to guide our experience, to make it more understandable, because we do have a mind. But that's what apologetics is about. But this faith-based stuff, is, is it just dominates. And I, the criticism of it is that it's, it's so anti-intellectual. Books are being written now about, quote, the scandal of the, of the evangelical Christian mind. Um, love God with all your mind, like books like that, trying to remind Christians that there's more to life than just your belief. Your belief needs to be justified, or how do you really know it's true? You assume the Bible is true. You assume your feelings are true, but how do you know that unless you justify it with these other methods of apologetics? It's not being done. Um, we're, we're calling a lot of us for the churches to uh, bring back thinking, I mean, it's all right to have faith and encourage faith um, and bring people in and let them see what you're doing. And faith kind of promotes faith. Hearing the word of God is the test of faith, according to Paul, Romans chapter 10. If you hear it, that encourages faith. What else do you need except to hear the word and believe it? Well, I would say you need a little bit of rational justification. Just because you feel something is true and you know it's true in your heart, that doesn't mean it's true. I'm sorry, but it doesn't mean it's true because people, just by anecdotal or just logical looking around, people believe different things and they all believe what they believe is true and it's contradictory. 
there's, it, it violates every logical law of contradiction. So we have to do more than just believe. Um, now, Pascal is my example. The, the, Kierkegaard, if some of you know his name, I, I, I won't even spell it. If you don't, it doesn't matter. There's too many things to memorize. But Pascal, just I, I've got about 10 or 12 points. And I, just, just to give you, make, to make this simple so I won't ad lib here and make this 20 minutes. I can do it quickly if I just give you the points. Here's an example of, of a guy. He's living in 1600. The age of reason is just beginning. There's people until about 1500 believed. Christianity was the only game in town. Yes, Islam and Judaism were there. There was, there was a little bit of paganism, but Christianity pretty much ruled. Um, then came the rise of modern naturalism, science, explaining the world completely differently. Galileo showing that you know, with his telescope, the moon looked like another planet. Jupiter looked like another sun with four little planets revolving around it. Venus had phases. Uh, like it, we didn't know that before. We thought that the earth was the center of the universe and everything revolved around us. All of a sudden, 1600, Galileo's talking about other universes that, that were no longer the center of this one, but there's there's all kinds of strange things out there. The Earth looks like it's, a, or the Moon looks like it's another Earth. Venus looks like it's another Earth. Uh, Jupiter looks like it's another Sun. Like I say, and, and this, this, this was the beginning, showing that that what this Christian faith had always said um, has alternatives in modern science. Naturalism, because Newton came along. The minute Galileo died, I think the day he died was uh, Christmas Day, was the day uh, Newton was born. And, and, and Newton gave us his laws of motion and the law of gravity, which pretty much explained why the planets move and just about everything else one needs to know about the universe, at least for 200 years until quantum physics came along. Newton gave us an explanation, Isaac Newton, this is around, what, 1640s, 1680s, he died in 1727, somewhere around in there. Uh, Newton gave us a wholly different understanding of the world. This is why we have this huge dilemma between religion and science to this day. Christianity had an explanation, a worldview. Science now gives us a naturalistic, atheistic understanding of things where you don't need a God to explain supposedly all these things. Laws of motions explain things. Like the Greeks and the early Christians, everything that happened was God's will, God's plan. Uh, there's Galileo showing we're not the center of the universe. There's Newton saying you can explain everything through natural laws. Then there's Darwin saying everything is evolving blindly, randomly through evolution. Christianity's taken some hits, and, and, and it has responded. Um, but it, it's, it's, I mean, we've got two warring worldviews out there. Uh, the universe next door uh, if you're a Christian, is, is science, and the universe next door, if you're a naturalist, is Christianity and theism. Like, there's, there's a lot of uh, conflict and, and uh, suspicion. A lot of people are trying to reconcile the two, but it's very difficult to do. Pascal began when all this was happening. 300 years later, it's still happening. We have Christianity saying, you can't explain the origin of the universe without a first cause. That's the cosmological argument from last week. Today we'll say you can't explain 
why the world is designed so intricately, interrelated, complex, and yet it all functions as a whole. You can't explain that except through intelligent design, uh, a great designer, rather than just evolutionary chance or blind chance or luck. It's too complicated. People have figured out that for, for one miserable little molecule to come to form by chance would take 10 to the to the power of so many billions of zeros that it, it, it just doesn't make sense. There have to be better ways. This gets us into this huge, huge dilemma of understanding the theory of evolution and what's going on in biological and psychological and all of these, these, these attempts to understand the world naturalistically. It's, it's a very difficult task. I, I have no doubt that the psychologists and the biologists and the theories of mind are all trying to figure out just how we can explain things sh uh, purely through evolution. Um, from my theological perspective, they'll never explain things purely through evolution. Because if you eliminate God, there are certain things that just, just can't be explained. One of them is how one molecule can be formed. There's all kinds of big gaps in there. And I was just talking about missing fossil records and whatever, and, and, and the the censorship for anybody who dares even say anything or try to publish anything against evolution or even try to get a job in a university if they say anything bad. There, there, there's, a, there's a strange uh, censorship and, and, and uh, antagonism. Um, it, it's almost like an ideology now. In fact, it is an ideology as, as much as it's science. What I'm saying is it's, it, we have... There's, there's a horrible war going on between a naturalistic which means the opposite of supernaturalistic, spiritual, and the spiritual world. Now, Pascal thought that people didn't have the patience or the understanding, or most of them don't have the time or the intelligence to, to, to sort all of this out, so he's faith-based. He gives you, he's not trying to prove God exists, he's trying to goad you to look for God. That's the key to this. This is not a straightforward argument that God exists, but it starts with assuming God exists, and then, as you know, here, here's what he says. So my first point is that Pascal lived 1600, 17th century, just when science, the Enlightenment, naturalism, if I said the word empiricism, you know what I mean, right? That th th This understanding that everything is explained by the five senses, this is all anti-belief in God. God isn't explained empirically with the five senses. God isn't explained naturalistically. God's explained supernaturalistically, beyond the world, not a part of the world completely. So Pascal's living in this age when science and rationalism are on the rise. People are saying the only source of truth is human reason and, and, and empiricism. Both of those seem to count against belief in God. Um, rationalism could count for belief in God if you can understand the arguments for God, the cosmological, teleological, ontological, moral, all of those arguments. So theology has already had a lot of rational arguments, but um, empirical arguments, um, the five senses, how can you prove the soul with, with the scientific method that was being touted in the 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, and 21st centuries. How can, we, how can we prove with the scientific method that the soul exists, that God exists? It's very difficult because science really can't adjudicate those issues. Quite frankly, 
Science is limited to what it can see, including quantum physics, which it can't see, but at least it can make good guesses. And it knows now it's, it's, it's making guesses. Quarks, all of these things are, are there, but they don't know what they look like or what color they are or whatever. They just give them names. They're not obvious anymore. Pascal's living like we are in a very complicated age. Either you've got to get to God, he's saying, through these rational proofs, or you've got to fight your way through scientific evidence, which isn't designed to get to God. So he's saying that there has to be a better way. His second point is, my first one is, he's living in this age like we are. It's just beginning. Scientific empiricism, that's not imperialism, but empiricism, the, the physical senses, and scientific rationalism. And philosophy very quickly joined science against religion. That's the history of our culture. Philosophy thought its job was to interpret science for the masses. It pretty well picked up this empirical method and this uh, rationalistic method. Pascal's saying most people don't get to God that way. It's too complicated. Both ways are too complicated. So the second point is, since uh, he, he argues that reason and science in general can't adjudicate whether or not God exists. They're limited. They're biased in their naturalism. We say the same thing today. 300 years ago, same thing today, same words, exactly the same thing. Nothing's changed. So he's saying skepticism, rationalism, science, empiricism, that's what the culture is, and, and religion is taking a hit, belief in God. His second point is that reason, though, rationalism, empiricism, none of this stuff can say anything about God, really, though. It's too limited. It's too biased. It's the wrong method, I'd add. That's not how you get to God. You don't get to God through science, despite the fact that we now have some scientific proofs, but that's not what we base belief in God on anyway. Point number three is saying, um, however, belief in God or disbelief in God, these are important issues, if maybe the most important issue in life. And people are becoming cynical and doubting and despairing and pessimistic especially where Pascal was in France. 1800s in France was just pure atheism. Uh, Laplace and uh, Diderot in the encyclopedia and Voltaire with his sarcasm. It became a very difficult place to believe in God. It's almost like that today. France is almost all atheistic, as you know, still. Like, I've got an argument today called the intelligent design argument that does use about 100-plus scientific facts and they all lead to the conclusion, cumulatively, that there must be an intelligent designer. The only other option is these facts can't be explained any other way. They shouldn't exist, but they do. So, yeah, you can use science. But in general, uh, science really can't say, other, like, address the question like Pascal wanted and like we wanted. This is only the last 30, 40 years, right, that we've had this new argument. In fact, it's only been since, like, 1976. It's that recent. Until now, it's, it's like, do you really want to prove Noah's Ark? And do you really want to prove... Like, I'm not sure we want to do that. I, I, if somebody, you know, found the bones of Adam and Eve or whatever, I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure... I mean, that would be great. That would say, okay, that really happened. But I, I, I'm not sure we have to do all of that. Science in general, though, or in principle, can't really adjudicate anything that isn't... Now, this is the logical way I've just talked about all these coincidences, but... Science can't adjudicate empirically, empirically whether God exists. I mean, it can look out empirically and say, I see order, I see contingent beings, you know, and it can use its reason, but 
if God isn't a physical object, to make a long story short, it, it's kind of like it's something that science shouldn't be talking about. The minute a science scientist says, here's my theory of evolution, blah, 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 and if a scientist just leaves it there, that's fine, but if the scientists say, of course, this theory shows that God doesn't exist, well, what's, I, I'm not so sure I'd be happy with that one. Um, they would have to then go on and show me how science is actually relevant to God's existence. Because the theory of evolution is dedicated, quite frankly, like every other scientific theory, to naturalism, which assumes before you even say one word that there is no God because naturalism says there is no supernatural realm. So it's, 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 it's closed to any reference to God. If you were a, a, a serious theist, and we're, and we're teaching the theory of evolution, though, and we're open to intelligent design and where God might input into that theory. That's a wholly different story. But you'd be very unpopular in academia these days. That's the tragedy of this place, is that everything counts except theism. Any wild theory counts except theism. And there are some wild theories in science, like the oscillating universes. There have been trillions and trillions of big bangs, or there's multiple universes. These things are outrageous fantasies without a shred of proof that they could even exist. Uh, that, that's today's stuff later, but it's, it doesn't make much sense. But theism makes a lot more sense on independent grounds, but we can't use it in science, supposedly. The third one, God, belief in God is fundamentally important. If there's a God or if there isn't a God, it matters to the quality of life. And because people are being told that science is the new worldview, they become skeptical and atheistic and despairing and doubtful. So Pascal decides to do something about it. Now remember, he was a major philosopher and a major scientist who had a religious experience and became converted. He had a mystical experience. And he wrote about it, fire, fire, burning, burning, you know, and God, Trinity. All, he wrote it all down uh, just in this three or four hour experience. That, that's all he had, but it was enough to show him that he'd better start talking about God in his science. Now, his fourth point is that God is hidden, can't be found by reason. We can't see the evidence because of our, well, you know, I could give you 20 reasons. He says because of our bias, our prejudice against believing in God, which is the scientific bias of naturalism. I would say it's because we, we don't see God because we're, we're limited. Christianity has always said we don't see God because we're fallen. We have a reason, but our reason's a little bit corrupted, to say the least. It's not what it's supposed to be, and we're limited. We, we, we don't know everything at this level. Our reason doesn't really uh, adjudicate what's true and what isn't true. It's not, it's not that kind of a power that we have. It's useful. It's incredibly useful. It's most in, our brain is, is the most intelligent thing in the entire known universe so far that, that we're aware of. Um, other than God, but us. But it can't tell us everything. So Pascal's fifth point is that even though God is hidden from reason, there is enough evidence for God. There is enough evidence for God. He's going to tell you what that is later. But Pascal says, oh, there's plenty of evidence for God. It's there. But, but God doesn't give us overwhelming evidence. It's never... It, 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 it's enough evidence, but it's not overwhelming, conclusive evidence. That's just going to hit you over the head. And, 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 that's not God's method. There's no point in forcing us to believe. So against the next point then I've got is against agnostics, people who say, and there were plenty starting to show up. You know, remember now, 1,500 years of security, believing in God and all is well on heaven and earth, 
and now we're having this interruption of modern science threatening biblical history and, 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 and belief in God and all kinds of things, use your reason only and don't trust religious experience, don't trust authority was part of this new movement, everything that uh, political authority, church authority, all these things were, were up uh, uh, you know, for criticism. So Pascal against agnostics, people who are just confused. Um, he, what he's trying to do is encourage people to look for God, but not through rational evidence or historical evidence, a different way. So the agnostics, he's saying, you can't really postpone this much longer. It's like life is like a ship. You know, it, it, it's going to it's going to arrive at port eventually. We're going to die eventually. It might be too late then. So now's the time. Um, agnostics say there's not enough evidence. There may not be any evidence. I don't know what it is. Pascal is trying to encourage them. Don't just don't just be satisfied with that. Um, there are things you can do besides these horrible theological philosophical things like trying to prove God exists or look at all this evidence first. Maybe you can look at it later when you have a different attitude. Against skeptics, the next point is, he reminds them, see, he's talking to agnostics and he's talking to skeptics, atheists. And they didn't call themselves atheists until this century, the 1800s, they started talking that way, just right after another hundred years later. They were skeptics at this point. He is saying, reminding the atheist, the skeptic, that reason can't settle this issue. You have to look elsewhere if you, if you want to find um, belief in God or, 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 or just at least weigh that option. Don't just pontificate and say God doesn't exist. You don't know that. Reason can't settle it. So Pascal's eighth point or whatever, it doesn't matter which point they are as long as you get them, that the road to God, he says, is faith. It's not rational proofs. It's not evidence. It, pre- it starts with faith. Now, we'll spare you all the biblical references to that and all the scriptural references because that's exactly what the truth is. That's, that's, that's why you can be a faith-based. Now, he's, what he tries to do then is encourage people to experience what it's like to have faith. And that's where he gives us this famous wager argument, this bet. If you, if you bet or wager your life that God exists, and it turns out you're right. When you die, it turns out you're right. All you, I mean, you have everything to gain by that and nothing to lose. If it turns out you're wrong, you've wagered that, he wants you to wager that God exists and live like it. Try to feel what religious people feel. Because reason's not going to help you. You don't understand the rational proofs. The evidence is beyond us. It's confusing. Science is saying it's all, it's all wrong. It's, it's controversial. Live like somebody who has faith and see what happens. Um, Pascal says, you have nothing to lose by wagering on God except skepticism, rationality, which says that, you know, that God doesn't exist, but it's not, it's not capable of adjudicating that issue to start with, so what good is it? If you're looking for God, he's saying, try to experience faith. Now, he's going to tell you how in a minute. It's, 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 this, is, this is kind of psychological. It's been lambasted as some kind of a trick and a kind of a crude field, uh, psychological uh, thing. I, I tried to find documents on the web that were positive about this proof or this argument, and almost 99% of them just lambaste this poor guy. They don't seem to get what he's saying unless I'm the only one that does, so chances are I'm wrong. But I'm seeing something here that's, 
That isn't some kind of psychological trick. Most people can't get to God through rationality. It's too complicated. Most people can't get to God through examining the evidence. It'd take a lifetime to do that. Nobody. Pascal's saying, start with faith. Start with faith. And how do you do that? You wager that God's going to exist. And you get rid of the big obstacle that gets in your way. And the obstacle is reason, logic, rationality. When I was being taught this in first-year university in a philosophy class, the prof gave an illustration. I thought it was horrible, but I'll, I'll give you the same one for what it's worth. <laughs> he said, and this is, this, he didn't make this up. This is a philosophical argument trying to show what Pascal's wager does. I think it belittles it, but I think it makes the point. He's saying uh, there's a billionaire who in one year is going to give a million dollars to everybody who likes jazz music. Now, the argument goes, how do you, if you hate this monotonous, horrible stuff called jazz music, how in a year can you cultivate a liking of jazz? What you have to do is put away the rock and roll and the classics. You have to listen to jazz. You have to associate with people who like jazz. You have to talk the language. You have to feel the groove, feel the beat. You what you have to gain, now this is the, the, the crass part of this, what you have to gain in, in, in a year is that you could become, if you walk the walk and talk the talk and ignore all of the stuff that you used to like, all other kinds of music that get in the way, stop being critical about jazz, don't listen to the stuff you really want to listen to, cultivate it. God knows that you could do that psychologically. Now, like I say, this, Pascal's a little more... Uh, subtle and, and profound than this, but my guess is uh, the question in the philosophy journal that does this thing, and the philosopher that I had just repeated this argument, like I said, he's saying, now would it be in your best interest to take this wager and try to cultivate jazz music? And all the materialists would say, yes, of course it was. I, well, well, you know, I, I'm sure I, if, if given a year, I can put away my skepticism of jazz, all the other stuff that gets in the way, all the obstacles from believing it. Now, Pascal's a little more profound. What he's saying is, if you put away your rational skepticism from science and all of this new age that makes religious belief look stupid, and it isn't, um, just live like a religious believer lives. He says, go and associate with them. Hear the masses say, go to church, receive the communion, do what religious people do. Try to cultivate that attitude. What do you have to lose except skepticism? which can't settle the issue anyway. What good is it? You're never going to find God through rational thinking. Like, it's, it's all about faith. So how do, you, how do you, you start, just assume it, try to cultivate faith. A lot of people don't even have to, by the way, have to cultivate faith. People who already have faith don't need this argument. But people who are skeptics and agnostics, they're not sure there's a God, and they're, and they're looking at all these scientific condemnations of religious belief because it isn't scientific and there's not enough evidence scientifically and all of these things. Pascal is speaking to them like he is today. You start with faith. You cultivate faith. Chances are if you hear, this is what the faith-based people do. They say, rather than pound you with arguments, just associate with us. Feel what we feel. And eventually, it just comes. You just The obstacles just disappear once faith begins. And the really strange part is, once you cultivate this attitude of faith with nothing to lose if you're wrong, 
everything to gain if you're right by betting on God or wagering on God. There's really, uh, there's really, well, I forgot what I was going to say. There's, there's, there's nothing to, nothing to lose, everything to gain, and, 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 oh yeah, I was going to say, the evidence then, strangely enough, becomes available. See, what Pascal does, he's saying, now, when you hear about biblical miracles, the resurrection, because you have this faith, you, it, it becomes evidence for the faith. Before you had the faith, it was just words that science was ridiculing. But when you have the faith, it makes sense. It's like becoming involved in the Christian worldview or the theistic worldview it, it, rather than the naturalistic worldview. He was way ahead of his time. We talk about worldviews these days. Pascal was talking about theism against naturalism, against science. But what, what his point was, if you're stuck in a naturalistic worldview, the trick is to get out of it. Wager that the other worldview may make sense. You can't do that with many worldviews. Like I could, I could give you the challenge, uh, uh, if anybody wants 100% on the exam um, without doing anything else, just soak yourself for the next five weeks in Scientology. Talk to Tom. Talk to, talk to uh, John. Uh, we've got their numbers if you need to talk to them personally, but it doesn't matter. Talk to these people. See, get rid of all your skepticism about the UFOs and being born on the planet Saturn and be coming down here and fighting and you're really a suppressed God. And Just try to soak yourself in that. God knows it'll take a lifetime. My guess is if you ignore all the criticisms and associate with these people, you can cultivate that belief. I'm not sure whether it's going to be satisfying because if it's not true, it's not going to be satisfying. Um, it's, not, it's not going to be fulfilling and it's not really going to be lasting and it's not going to be, I mean, it's, it's not going to be meaningful in any sense. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us for the next episode as the journey of justifying beliefs continues. 